Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Well, hello there, and you join us here today to pick the best diver in the world. Let's do it. Tom, dive watches are an absolute fan favourite, and I believe you're a fan of dive watches too. Yeah, I love the dive watch. I love the aesthetic. I love the twisty bezel, most of all. Um, but I suffer from thalassophobia, or however you say it. Uh, are you scared of it when people get imprints of peas in their knees as well? Uh, no, that's a different one. No, I'm talking about fear of the ocean. Ah, uh, yes. The ocean is big and scary, but we're here to make it less scary by helping you pick a dive watch that's the best in the entire world. We've got five, Tom. We've got the Rolex Submariner. We've got the Omega Seamaster. We've got the Tudor Black Bay, Brightling Super Ocean, and the Seiko 1965 reinterpretation because we want to determine which of those is best. Tough competition. How are we going to possibly compare these watches? Badly, through a series of classifications, we're going to investigate (laughs) the quality of the watch whether or not it's iconic, it's history, the street cred, and ultimately the value for money. Shall we start with the one that everyone wants to hear about most slash least, the Rolex Submariner? This has got to be the dive watch to beat, hasn't it? I would classify this watch as the patient zero of dive watches. <laughs> would you say it's the mould from which all other dive watches have been cast, or is that too too much kudos. If it was, that would be a full 10 out of 10 for heritage. But I think truthfully, the Rolex Submariner didn't necessarily do it first. It's just done it most. Right. In 1953, the Blancpain 50 Fathoms really depicted what a dive watch would look like for the future. And it's it's a blueprint that Rolex copied. Rolex does like to say the Submariner came out in 1953, but really it was developed in 1953, was released in 1954. So they have moulded the way we think to assume that the Submariner is the classic and original dive watch. And it's not. This is why I compare Rolex to Apple. Apple didn't do stuff first, but it did it best. And I would say the Rolex Submariner has, through time, evolved to be the quintessential dive watch so maybe that's low on heritage but max for the iconic category but yeah rolex you know the the submariner is a true diver isn't it the rolex submariner has always been the watch that's been less about the way it looks less about the quality and more about the way it functions yeah that's changed more recently it now looks more shiny and has the surrounding bezel and has a much better clasp and bracelet than it used to but it's still a pretty simple thing 
it's not it's not ornate, is it? If peak quality is something independently handmade incredible, this is a good solid seven out of ten. Yeah, sure. You've got that lovely Cerachrom bezel. Cerachrom uh, being a material that's been made up by Rolex <laughs> of uh, high tech ceramic and is the chrome for chroma, as in the the colour of the bezel. I guess so, but the first one was black. Yeah. That's the absence of chroma. So all that good stuff. So in terms of quality, it's 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 a sturdy, practical tool watch that's that's not going to let you down, is it? So there's that history. Let's call history eight. Okay. <laughs> it's not a full ten. The Blanc Pan Fifty Fathoms would be a ten for dive watch history. Let's give it an eight. How iconic it is. I suppose that's a ten, isn't it? It is the Submariner. It kind of is. Yeah. Even though they pinched that name off of someone else who forgot to trademark it first. Oh, well, you snooze, you lose. <laughs> that is the Rolex motto. You snooze, you lose. Street cred. Well, everyone wants one. In fact, it's got such good street cred that it's gone the other way and you can't wear it on the street anymore for fear of people wanting it too much. Yeah. Should we give that a 10? I mean, people would damn near chop off your arm for a Rolex, won't they? And, um, you know, you even get rappers singing about how much they want them. Some credible, some punk ass. <laughs> I'd really like a submariner. Do you remember that one? Yeah, that's the one. Value. This is a tricky one. Because on the one hand, if you buy one at RRP, it's basically free. <laughs> you can't buy one at RRP. Some people can. The special people. Yeah. But then again, it is also far more expensive than a number of watches that meet or even exceed it's the quality for the price. So I don't know. I want to split the difference and say seven for value in the sense that, wow, does it retain its value? But mm, it's a lot more expensive. Well, it's about seven thousand, eight thousand pounds. Nine if you get the green bezel, I think. I'm going to say seven for value. Sounds good. I can't say this is an eight out of ten for value for money. That just doesn't feel right. That's fair enough. So from one iconic diver to another, this is the Omega Seamaster. Let's jump right in with quality because Omega's whole deal was quality. From before Rolex was even born, they were about making very high quality watches, very ornate cases, very beautiful dials, lots and lots of details. And in fact, Rolex understood very early on in its existence that trying to compete with that, it didn't have the budget to. That's why it went down the pure tool watch for professionals route. So I would say that when you look at the liar lugs of a Seamaster, when you look at the wavy dial, when you look at the uh, coaxial escapement and the fact that you can see the movement and see all of those details in there, generally speaking, it seems like there's a lot more going on than there is in the Submariner, which to me, quantity and quality. We don't have a quantity box, but we should add extra points to the quality box. I think a lot of what you're saying there spills over into the the iconic appearance of the, the Seamaster because, yeah, Rolex's Submariner is very functional looking and there's not much flair, is there, really? The Seamaster has those little details, doesn't it? It has those liar lugs and those laser engraved waves on the dial. You've got a transparent case back, which Rolex never does until... Uh, like last week. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, all those things are, are in the Seamaster's favour, aren't they? They really are. And I, I think ultimately it loses out on how iconic it is in comparison. It's better quality, but it's just not as iconic. Yeah, so this iteration of the, the Seamaster, is that the one that you, you can trace back to 1993 when uh, they they slapped it on Pierce Brosnan's wrist with Goldeneye? Yeah, 
And that then traces back to 1957. So little details like those lyre lugs and the chunkiness, that, that's where the first sporty Seamaster came from. Bond wears one, so there's your street cred. Mm, is it though? Is that not working in its favour? <laughs> if someone said to you, oh yeah, it's the same watch that's in James Bond, would you be like, wow, you're cool? Or would you want to punch them in the face? Yeah, now you say that. If someone to say, hey, you've got the same watch as James Bond, I was like, yeah, that's not what I bought it for, though. Make that clear. <laughs> I'm not a weirdo. Yeah. yeah. Saying, oh, this is the same watch that Jacques Cousteau wore. That's cool. Yeah, sure. If Jacques Cousteau was a fictional character, it's like saying, oh, this is the same watch that Tintin's got. Mm. <laughs> and then value, I mean, it's, it's way cheaper than a Submariner. Way cheaper. It's going up in price. But in terms of value to quality... Oh, it's very good. It's very good. Yeah, about £2,000 cheaper than the Rolex Submariner, so yeah. I'm going to say quality 8. So it's got to be a bit more than a Rolex Submariner, but obviously it's no Patek Philippe. Is it iconic? I don't know. What do you reckon? Give it a number. 7. I'd agree with that. History. Now, the history of Omega is better than Rolex, but the history of the Seamaster, it's all a bit like, oh, I, I'm here too. I think it's got to be down one from Rolex. 7 feels safe street cred should we just say seven? Oh no it's feeling arbitrary <laughs> who would have, who'd have thought it would come to this all the sevens for 007 so <laughs> and then value I think we can go up to a solid eight out of ten for value it's a cool watch for medium Swiss luxury watch prices I would say here's where things start getting tricky Tom because we're going to introduce another Rolex brand a subsidiary Tudor now Tudor started making the Submariner the same year that Rolex did, 1954. <laughs> right. And it made it with the same cases, same dial, uh, slightly revised hands, obviously slightly revised print on the dial, and a cheaper movement to give an alternative to the Rolex in the first place. Now, the Rolex Submariner was always pitched to be an affordable watch for people. They even made variations of the Submariner with non-COSC certified movements to be even cheaper. And the Tudor was even cheaper than that. I think it was specifically intended to be sold to Royal Navies and the like, who really wanted to bring down that cost as much as possible. Right. And we saw the Tudor Submariner used by a number of different navies. So there's a lot going for it. The Black Bay today is inspired by that original Tudor Submariner, carries a lot of the aesthetic. The latest 54 is so, so close to it. I think this is going to do well. Again, the, the quality's there. Not as flashy, perhaps, as the Seamaster. There's no ceramic or anything. It's just it's just steel and aluminium. But it's got a COSC-certified movement inside, so that's got to count for something. Yeah, in-house, no less. It does, it does everything right, doesn't it? It doesn't want to be too flashy because it's based on an old watch, but uh, I would put them up there with a the Submariner, to be honest. And it's just as iconic as the Rolex Submariner because it came out in 1954. That's more points for history and heritage, isn't it? It's iconicness. Snowflake hands, I would say. It's quite iconic. Tell you what, how about this? It has the same level of iconicness as Rolex up until the point where you can read that it doesn't say Rolex. So iconic at a glance is what you're saying. Yeah. You could probably argue that that's true of most dive watches. They all have those familiar visuals, don't they? So... You know, I think Tudor is sort of, it's getting there, isn't it? It's forging an identity for itself. And I think as, as time goes on, it, it will become an icon in its own right. So street cred, there's two, there's two ways of thinking here. One, it's not the Rolex, but it looks like one, a loser. And the other, 
Rolex. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm above Rolex. I'm above brand recognition. This is the real. If you like Ro this is the real Rolex. I think both of those points of view are valid. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure where it lands, but yeah. But of course, when it comes to value, oh my goodness, this whips the pants off of both the Rolex Submariner and the Omega Seamaster by many, many thousands. It's making them all look a bit silly, to be honest. Yeah, around £3,000. Yeah, it's pretty dang good for, for all that stuff. Quality, like I said, I think it's up there with the Submariner. I would give that a solid seven. Sounds good. It's obviously not as iconic as the Submariner. Is it as iconic as the Seamaster? I'm going to say it's not as iconic as the Seamaster. Let's give it a six. Yeah. History. We're probably in the same place there. It, 1954, same year as the Rolex Submariner. So it, the history is there, but it, it really... It's like tagging along with his older brother, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, 1954, used by the French Navy in the 70s and stuff. That's just, that's good enough history for me. Seven? Go for it. Street cred. This is the confusing one. This is the one where we think basically that the two forces of its cheap Rolexness versus its cool not Rolexness meet in the middle. What do we say? Give it a number. 6.5. Are we doing decimals? No. <laughs> That got very Six, confusing then. last time. Six, fair enough. And then value, it obviously, it's up there. I don't think it's ten out of ten. I think it's, I think it's close though. That only leaves one number, which is nine. Sounds good. Brightling Super Ocean, Tom. This isn't one that gets discussed as much in the category of dive watches, but I think it's one, especially in recent years, that really should be given more consideration. Yeah, I mean, Breitling, I would probably argue, are better known for their aviation watches, but, you know, the sky's big and blue and so's the ocean. What's the difference? They can do a dive watch, no problem. <laughs> the sea, it's just the atoms are closer together. That's the only difference. So the quality of the latest Super Ocean is way up there. It's been okay in the past, but this latest one is just a really, really nice object. But in terms of how iconic it is, if we wrap up how iconic it is with the history for a second, 1964, that's 10 years after the Submariner, which was created in 1954. That feels very late to the party, doesn't it? I mean, Breitling are known for iconic watches. I don't think the Super Ocean is perhaps one of them. The Navitime, obviously, is Breitling's flagship. But this does have some cool history and heritage. It's based off of that, the slow motion watch. It's not uniconic. <laughs> yeah, it's not up there, though. It's definitely not the one, if you said, name me some dive watches now, people would be like, oh, 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 the Super Ocean. Sure, yeah, true. Street cred. This is a hard one. There's still, there's, can you, there's still a smell of John Travolta about when it comes to Breitling. They're doing a very good job of trying to rinse that off, all jumping in the sea with the surface squad and everything, but I don't know that it's one that you would be proudly flashing on your wrist in quite the same way you would a Rolex. I think this new Super Ocean is bright and colourful. It does give me that surfer beach vibe and it's a Breitling. I think Breitling is a big name. If you're flashing this big, bold, bright watch with the big gold B on the dial, I think that's cool enough for me. I'd be impressed. Do you think it's as big as Omega? No, I think it's probably one ladder rung below Omega. So let's start to put some numbers down. Quality. The actual watch, the latest Super Ocean and indeed the Heritage, the quality, I was surprised by how nice the detailing on those things was. How, you know how we describe really high quality watches as feeling more HD. They definitely had that punch to them. I fancy an eight. I don't know if that feels too high. Are you sure we're not doing decimals? <laughs> 
I'm sticking to it. Give it an eight then. An eight. How iconic is it? I think it sits in on, on par with Tudor. Like people know of it, but there it's certainly not going to be in the, the foreword of the book about dive watches. I think Breitling's brand recognition is strong, but this particular model is perhaps not as iconic as others. Are you sure we're not doing decimals? <laughs> uh, give it a six. History, again, it has history, but it came quite a bit later after everything else. It's... Yeah, they were busying themselves with the pilot swatches and stuff, so yeah, perhaps a six. Six. Street cred. I think we can have a string of sixes here. Or do you think seven? Six, six feels right. Value. Now, the 42mm version of the Breitling Super Ocean is £3,800, which is more towards Tudor than it is any of the others. Granted, it does have an ETA movement. This is the only one that we've discussed so far that doesn't have its own movement. But still, pack all that together, £3,800 is pretty good value. Seven, I would give it. Seven? Okay. Mm. I might have said eight, but... Oh, okay. Are you sure we're not doing decimals? (laughs) Moving on to the last watch, Tom. This is our wild card, if you like. It is the Seiko Prospects 1965 reinterpretation. Now, 1965 is the most recent one. It's not Swiss made. It's not got a huge amount of quality. However, back in the 1960s, during Vietnam, most of the soldiers fighting wanted a rugged waterproof watch, but a lot of the other options were too expensive for them. Seiko came along and created a watch that was rugged, reliable, and affordable. And this was it. So for me, quality might not be banging up against the limiter, but to to be iconic and for its history, it kind of goes in a different way. This is the apocalypse now of watches. It's like cult classic. It's not mainstream, it's cult classic. What do you think? Yeah, it's like you feel guilty for not having watched it. Oh yeah, I've heard of those. Yeah, that's meant to be good, isn't it? Oh yeah, I should get around to getting myself Seiko. And I think a Seiko diver is... It's almost like a bread and butter watch, isn't it? It is. And so when you get to street cred, it's almost like it's not even about street cred. You could say it scores a zero, but that doesn't express really what the watch is about. Yeah, you could say it scores a 10 because it's just like, it's a Seiko. Like, what do you want? Why are you asking me about my watch? It's a Seiko. What more do you need to know? Get out of my face. I'm late for some really cool stuff. I mean, that'd be rude, but... (laughs) Yeah, don't be rude. But here's the real kicker, because this is a watch made by a brand with history, used in the field, packing an in-house movement, good quality, £950. Yeah. There's only three numbers in that. It doesn't doesn't get to a four-digit number. Yeah, it's great. It's certainly a spanner in the works when it comes to choosing a dive watch. So let's give it some numbers and see how everything compares. Quality. The Seiko isn't, it's, what, five, six? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not going to let you down, but it's not going to win any prizes for best in show. No, it's not a watch that's about craftsmanship and high magnification details. You go to Grand Seiko for all that sort of stuff. Sure. I'm going to say five. Okay, yeah. How iconic is it? I think it's really iconic to the the history buff. Five or six, Tom? What do you think for iconic? Uh, Give it a six. Six. Yeah. History. If history were about the number made and used in history, this would be 10 out of 10. I'm not sure quality definitively outweighs quality in that respect. So what do you think about history? I would say seven. So higher than the Breitling Super Ocean. Okay, six then. (laughs) Street cred. 
Are you sticking eight. to your ten? Eight. Okay, we'll go for eight. I think yeah, like it's 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 too cool to even ask, isn't it? Well, oh, what's that watch? Oh, you're into collecting the luxury watches. Like, get away from me. Yeah, it's not try hard, is it? It's no. just it's cool. Value. I think we can both agree, Tom. This is eleven out of ten for value. <laughs> sure. So there we are. We have rated all our watches. We are going to top those scores up. Why don't you top your scores up along with us and pop them down in the comments below? Tom, are you ready for the scores on the doors, the results of this five-way dive watch battle to see which is best? Yes, please, enlighten me. We'll start with number five, the one that came in last. I don't think there's any surprises that it's the Breitling Super Ocean with 33 out of an, an amount that I'm not aware of. An admirable score. It is an admirable score. Good work, Breitling. Just a little bit ahead is the Tudor Black Bay with 35. Okay, sure. The Seiko comes in third with 36 points. £950 for a watch that competes with watches that have an extra digit in the price point. Yeah. In second place, Tom, with 37, is the Omega Seamaster. Still playing second fiddle, I'm afraid, to number one with 42 points is the Rolex Submariner. I feel like we could have come to this result a lot quicker than we did, you know. Teacher told us to show our workings, so we did. Yeah. And it proves what we believed all along, which is the Rolex Submariner is probably the best dive watch in the world. Well, there you go. Indeed. I'll have to get one. And so must we all. Dear viewer and listener, are you running off to the shops now to put your name down for a Rolex Submariner? Or do you disagree with our rankings? Tell us in the comments below just how wrong we are. And we'll definitely pay attention. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching. Please do like, comment and subscribe. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.